0: to dive right into the, the next message in the series of um, the, the list on self-awareness. Is it seven? Seven steps of self-awareness. Yeah. Seven rules for self-awareness. And uh, I thought that Ruth's message last week was absolutely fascinating. I loved the whole thought trees thing. I was taking pictures of the thought trees and how they your thoughts affect every part of your life. And your you, 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 you being, you know, even your physical being. Um, so I thought that was how, you know, how, how, so fascinating how your lives can be shaped by your thoughts. And, and I loved what she said about gratefulness stopping negative thoughts in their tracks. So, and it's like that old adage, isn't it? You know, count your blessings. If we, if we can stop sometime every day and count our blessings, it sort of makes all the bad stuff not feel quite so bad, doesn't it? Um, and then in the first week, John looked at how what we want tells us a lot about ourselves. And um, hands up, who did the homework? Who remembers the homework? You did the homework. Well done. Um, Blue Peter badge over there. Here we go. Um, the question was... To spend some time thinking about what do you want most in the entire world, and to be honest, for me, apart from you know a camper van, yeah. changes it changes all the time. Um, I've got wants that correspond to different areas. Of my life and you know as a worship leader I really want to see healings and and freedoms come during the worship time and salvation and transformation during the preaching time I mean it can come at any time but you know we want to see that as as you know leaders we want to see you know breakthroughs don't we all the time um but then again at home I want a new kitchen I want a camper van, <laughs> you know, it's stuff, isn't it? But um, my biggest personal change type of want, um, if I'm being honest, is to have sort of the wisdom to use time and money wisely. And it's a bit of a, you know, one of those things that it's really hard to achieve, isn't it? You know, I want, I want them to work for me, not me work for them. Do you see what I mean? I don't want them to dictate my life. I want, them, I want to be efficient and productive with my time and my money and, and not have it, not be a slave to it at the same time. So, And, and that's one of the reasons why I took on the, the challenge of this message. Um, so in this seven rules to self-discovery, I'm going to look at how we spend our leisure time, which is really ironic seeing as the clock's... Uh, changed last night we all got an extra hour of leisure in our beds which is nice so let's just pray let's pray Father God, fill my mouth and let this message point to you, and even though it's about self-reflection, speak through these words, Lord, and teach us um, the art of self-reflection so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to retain your word and don't allow it to be stolen in any way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you, but time to me is very, very precious. And it's, uh, it's created by God, time. He lives outside of time. He created the way we measure time, didn't he? So, with the sun, moon, the stars, that's how we measure the time. Uh, they govern time, don't they? And, you know, God, God created that. He lives outside of that. So, he, He's not bound like we are in time. When we've got too much to do, we've got like no time. It's really stressful. When we've got too much time, it's lonely, if we're honest. Sometimes when we've got expected, unexpected free time, we've got this uncontrollable urge to fill it with stuff. And when time is of the essence or when time is short, we rush and we panic. And when time is wasted, we feel really guilty. And so time can really affect our well-being can't it and we don't really realize it. it's sort of one of those things you don't think about how time can affect how you feel and we've got used to this society where it celebrates filling every single moment with work or doing something or being productive in some way and when we don't we feel like we should be um, you know, or we, or we feel like we should be doing something else with it. And so time can have this guilt attached to it. But I'm not, I'm not talking about time at work today. I'm talking about what we're doing in our leisure time. Even though we spend a lot of our lives working and building a career or training for one, A.W. has said that it's through what we do with our leisure time that we can find out about ourselves so maybe we don't want to know and that's why we try to fill it, fill it up, you know, with every spare moment with work or TV or Netflix or whatever. Um, but God says it's important. But why is leisure time so important? Anyway, C.S. Lewis said, our leisure, even our play, is a matter of serious concern there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. That's really interesting, isn't it? It's a serious business, having leisure. Richard Foster. Now, I, I read a few years back his book on the spiritual disciplines. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. It's a great book and he described holy leisure as a sense of balance in life, an ability to be at peace through the activities of the day, an ability to rest and take time to enjoy beauty, an ability to pace ourselves and that just sounds really perfect, doesn't it? It sounds idyllic. So even though leisure time is free time or time off or rest, we still need to be good stewards of it. In a football match, I'm really into my football this year, I don't know why, just got into it. Um, A player, even when not kicking a ball, has to watch what's happening to it, or they're going to be caught off guard really quickly, aren't they? Um, But even this sounds like stress, doesn't it? We're stressing now about our leisure time and our rest. What's that about? I'm not trying to put that stress on you. But we can train ourselves to do this from a place of rest you know, watching over our time. As a worship team, we listen to and we sing songs a hundred times before we actually introduce them. Because in our practice, we're going to learn all those technical bits. We'll, We'll learn the phrasing and all that kind of thing. And then we can rest in that and let go on a Sunday. So we don't have to, it's not work then, if you know what I mean. We can work hard on it. In our practices um, but then it comes naturally when we sing it on a Sunday because we've, we, we've got it in us and it's like when you it's like what Ruth was talking about creating the neural pathways isn't it last week the more you do something it becomes natural to you so it, you're doing it from a place of rest because you've practiced so it's the same in our rest. if we put in the time, if we read the word daily, and and, and over the weeks, lots of people you know have, have mentioned this thirty minute reading challenge and um, set your timer on your phone to thirty minutes, just read, you know, read through a book of the Bible, or a few chapters, but thirty minutes it helps you to focus. It's great and you, and you don't get distracted as much. Um, but reading the Bible is how your mind is transformed. It's how your mind is renewed. You won't get easily caught off guard as much. You're covered, aren't you? Because you know what the word says. So it seems to me that we create habits to divert ourselves from dealing with who we really are. And, you know, we, it, why is it when we stood in a queue we get so irritated because we've got nothing to do We could, but wait? You know, we get irritated in queues and waiting rooms and what have you actually spent 15 hours in a waiting room in the A&E a few weeks ago which was uh interesting but there you go that's another story so that was a long wait. um torture is another word for it I think but I think phones and social media you know they can help us they can plug that gap can't they but we get so uncomfortable don't we I mean, 15 hours is a bit mental, but, you know, waiting five minutes in a queue, we can get really uncomfortable just waiting around because we've got that spare time that we can't fill, you know. So our leisure time, while it's free time, it's not cheap, it's valuable and we need to value it or we might waste it. So we're all given the same amount of time in a day. There's 24 hours, and we divide it into parts, eight hours or so for sleep, if you can. Um, to be honest, eight hours probably far too much for me. I'd be really groggy, but eight hours for work and eight hours leisure time. Do we do that? I don't think we do. Is it balanced that way? Not always. In that leisure time, we normally do things like travel, eat, walk the dog, clean, do laundry, drop the kids off somewhere, that kind of thing. We're still doing, aren't we? I always think I've not got enough time at all to do anything. And then I get my screen report on my phone on a Monday morning. And apparently I've spent four hours a day on Facebook or whatever on the screen. And I think, well, how have I managed to do that and, and get my life still rolling along like it does? But all those few minutes here and there, they do mount up, don't they? And some of it for me, it's, I'll, I might read the Bible app on the phone or, or Facebook. Or I use Instagram and Messenger for my business. And somehow I'm part of around seven very active WhatsApp groups. that um, you know, So people are talking all the time. So they, you know it's it's not just wasted really, but I feel like it is when I get that you've spent four hours a day or whatever it is on you. Sometimes I'll listen to a sermon while I'm working. That'll come through my phone. My son who lives abroad, he's really good at FaceTiming me at least every other day. That's good. And um, and I don't buy newspapers. I'll read the news on the on the phone. So it's not that wasted. And Amazon. I'm a bit of a sucker for a bored Amazon shop. <laughs> but, um, but even though I can account for that time on, on the screen, and most of it is legitimate family, work, or church-related, when I see those hours, I do feel like it's wasted, like it's time badly spent, and then you feel a bit guilty. And it's, you know, that you just feel shame that you're not using that time wisely. And I don't need to feel guilty, God's got me covered, he's, he's, I'm in his grace, but I know I'm not actually maximising the time that he's given me. And so, I want to kick myself a lot of the time. So, A.W. Tozer says that the way we spend our leisure time tells us who we really are. So we need to give ourselves a bit of an audit, don't we? Look at what you do in a typical week with your leisure time. Is it edifying? Does it build you up? Does it build anybody else up? What is leisure time? The dictionary says leisure time is time when one is not working or, or occupied. It's free time. But we do feel like we have to fill it, don't we? It, do we rest only when we sleep? It shouldn't be like that. God wastes absolutely nothing. He doesn't waste any time. And even though He lives outside of the boundaries of time, He set the example Himself. After six days of creation, He rested. It's in Genesis 2, verse 2 to 3. And on the seventh day, God finished His work. That he'd done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from his work that he had done in creation. Do you think God was tired? I don't think so. Did God need to rest? No. Why would he? He's omnipotent, he's all powerful. We have this idea that God is constantly at work, but it says there, He's not. He has a rest. You know, it was for us to see. Now, there's a way of Bible study that Ray Bevan introduced me to um, a while back, and it's really quite interesting. It's called The Law of the First Mention. And it means that you find the very first time something's mentioned in the Bible, and you study that because it gives the clearest explanation. And it's fascinating to me that the first mention of leisure time in the Bible It's God himself who rests, the all-powerful one, that he's resting. The word rest here is Shabbath, it's where Sabbath comes from and it literally means to cease doing. So why did God choose to rest? The Bible doesn't say he was tired or that he was checking his work or writing lists about what he'd do next. It was a model for us, rest follows work. Not only did he rest, he blessed the rest day. And that should, be, that should have been all we needed to, to, to be able to follow that. You work and you rest. Okay? But he had to put it into a commandment in the Ten Commandments to make sure we understood that it's a non negotiable, it's for our well being. And it became a holy commandment rest is blessed. So let's have a look. It's the fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You know, coming forward after that, they tried to make rest hard work. They surrounded the Sabbath with rules and regulations and law and just so you were under the cosh a little bit with it. And, and that sometimes it still exists in some some places today, but Jesus said in Mark 2 verse 27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So God does bless rest, it's healthy, it's not good for us to be doing all the time. I was quite envious, it's not the right word, but you know I was, I was happy for her, I didn't want her not to have it, but when Ruth went for her you know, retreat, I thought, oh I would love that, just to go and just be somewhere quietly in a retreat with no interruptions or just to rest, how lovely would that be. Um, it's healthy, it's not good for us to be doing all the time many people are workaholics because they get their identity from their work and that shouldn't be, that's not right our work should not define us at all our identity is given to us by God and it's in those rest times that we can sit back and work out who we really are and it's not bound up in the work that we do I mean, Paul was a tent maker in his work. But then his identity. We, we don't really. We don't go Paul the tent maker. Who preached do we? We don't say that. We say Paul the apostle. He planted churches. He loved the Lord. You know and that's his identity. Um, so listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew 11. 28 to 30. Now this is in the amplified classic edition I don't know whether we have that it might be just the amplified up there it says this come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened and I will cause you to rest I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle meek and humble lowly in heart and you will find rest relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. How lovely. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. That is so amazing. Now for those of you who are not farmers, a yoke is the wooden beam that would attach pair of oxen together to pull a load and we all love this this verse where it says come to me all you who are burdened and I'll give you rest but we mostly miss what he's saying because when Jesus uses that analogy it's not so much about the load you're bearing it's the load that you're bearing alone and it's too heavy for us to pull the weight of life isn't it by ourselves but with him with us he takes that doesn't he he takes that that weight nothing for jesus is difficult or heavy to bear and and the result is rest from the stress it's a picture of his grace when we're yoked to him so when we attach ourselves to jesus when we um give it all to him when we lay it all down before him it's not just words or words in a song or anything like that it's like actually I'm going to lay it at your feet because it's easy for you Lord we don't need to actually struggle on you know we can we can move on from that place of rest he's taken that burden from us he says in that verse take his yoke and learn from him and that's reading the word again, isn't it? And praying, renewing your mind. What would Jesus do? It's not a trendy bracelet. It's learning and using his ways as our own, isn't it? So I think you know we've established that work is good but factoring in leisure time is not laziness and it's not wrong. It's good too. It's about the balance, isn't it? If you go too into the work side of things, you're going to burn out. If you go into the too into the leisure side of things, it's you know, you're just not gonna you're gonna be ill, aren't you? Because you've got nothing to do with yourself. You'll be idle. Um, but that balance is good. God wants to wants you to have a full life. And it 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 reminds me of that that Mars do you remember the Mars jingle? Her Mars a day helps you. That's it, yeah. It's actually a really good principle, isn't it? Work, rest, and play. There you go. In Ecclesiastes 3, it just came to mind, you know, that one. Um, in Ecclesiastes three, twelve to 13, King Solomon says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that... That he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So yeah, work, enjoy your work, but rest, rest is good, it's blessed. So, you know, we've established it's a good thing to rest It's how we spend our leisure time tells us who we really are, isn't it? So we all get those same 24 hours and we need to maximise and and value the time that we have. Time waits for no man, the saying goes. So it's that balance that we need to strike. Now I'm a a bit of a list writer. I, I write lists filling up all my spare time. You know, I'm I'm preaching to myself as well here. This study has has been something for me to do personally as well. And I've got books on time management and I kick myself when I feel like I've wasted time. But I do make sure every day that after around half five, six o'clock, I have a bit of a non-negotiable switch off time where I might sit and watch TV with the boys, my sons, and we just have like a little bit of family time and we'll eat together. And that is something we've always done. It's really valuable. And, you know, but look at Jesus. What what did he do in his leisure time? How can we learn from him? So number one, he prayed. He went up a mountain to pray. So that's prayer and exercise. I'm just saying. And uh, number two, he created. He went to a party and, you know, changed water into wine. He went. You know, he got everyone to sit down. He, he, you know, he increased the loaves and the fish. And I don't know about anyone else who's anyone else who's creative in the room, but for me, ideas come when I'm doing something really boring, like mopping the floor or, um, you know, just wiping around the kitchen or something really boring, or just walking or something like that. That's when ideas will come. They'll pop in in, in my mind. And sometimes in that time, I'll stop and jot something down or send a WhatsApp to the creative whatever, or, you know, if it's something to do with that. Or, you know, I'll just, I'll just wait and, and sort it out later. Also, Jesus, number three, he loved in his spare time. He showed his disciples how he loved them. And that was through his words and his actions they were in no doubt that time together was very precious. It's really important to spend some of your leisure time with those that you're close to. When I was a teacher, every year coming up to Christmas we had this lesson. And, um, and the lesson was about, you know, what do you like most about Christmas, basically. You know And they, they had to rate it. It was like a starter type activity in the lesson. And it was rating the best things about Christmas. So, but the top one, without fail, every single year, wasn't gifts, wasn't food. It was spending time with family. And it always blew me away. It never failed to surprise me. Then it was food. <laughs> the gifts usually actually came about halfway down, which was really surprising. But the top one, it was all about time off. Free time with family. I always loved that. Um, number four, he taught and his disciples learned. So we can, we can, you know, go with both of those, can't we? He taught the disciples away from the crowds while they were eating usually. And, uh, and they learned from him. They asked him questions. They watched him. They, they watched how he treated others. So how can we learn in our leisure time? How can we maximise that time to learn We could read, we could go to a life group, we could input into other people's lives there. We can listen to a podcast or follow a devotion. Um, Number five, and he actually rested, had a nap. So when you work hard, there's nothing wrong with having a nap, 40 winks. Once in a boat in the middle of the sea, in a storm, Jesus slept through it. He needed the rest. They had, they had to come and physically wake him up when they thought they were going to drown. And these were seasoned fishermen, so it must have been really bad. You know, they feared that they would sink. And then he told them off. He said, well, you know, where's your faith? But he knew, because he only said that because he knew that once he said they were going to the other side... They were going to get to the other side. Nothing's going to stop them. If Jesus says we're going to the other side, there can be, you know, there's going to be the biggest storm ever. It's not going to stop them from getting to the other side. But they struggled and they worried on their own until as a last resort they woke him and he calmed that storm because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's the same principle, isn't it? They were struggling with that boat. They were taking all that weight, and then Jesus took it off them. And then another time after the 72 returned from him sending them out, he didn't take them for a debrief. He didn't say anything about their mission of going out into the community. He took his disciples away for a rest. In Mark 6, verse 31, he said, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And I'd never even noticed that before. You know, I thought, oh, it's, they probably had a really good chat, you know, about how, what they did, what they did wrong, how it, how it went. No, it was like, we'll talk about that later. Come away, away from everybody, and rest, have some food. He knew and he cared for their needs, just like when God sent an angel to Elijah when he was sad. God fed him and strengthened him. He didn't lecture him or give him any instructions until he was refreshed and strengthened, just like Jonah, sulking outside of Nineveh. He's already been vomited up by a big fish, wandered around preaching in a city he hated and wanted God to destroy, and they've went on and repented, how dare they, and he went out of, the, out of the city and sat down in the heat in a sulk. And did God tell him off? No. He caused a plant to grow up at like, you know, super speed, um, beside him so that he would have shelter from the hot sun and wouldn't burn his bald head. Isn't that lovely though? he refreshes us and he gives us rest. So, as a summary, there's two main ways that we can wisely use our leisure time. Number one is rest, actual rest. needs to be part of our lives or the stresses are just going to build up and become too much for us to handle. I was told um, by somebody a few weeks ago that you can get this, and and she was a, a, a mental health professional, and she said you can have this bucket, we call it the stress bucket, and you get all these stressor book, stressors going in. And it fills up and fills up. And if you don't let it out, it's going to overflow. And that's not going to be good for you. We're not good to anyone when we're far too busy either, are we? We can't, we can't spread ourselves too thinly. Things get missed and, and mistaken. You know, remember, delegate things as well. Number two, improvement and growth not just spiritually but physically we are a temple of the holy spirit and the bible says we need to look after our bodies and also mentally i think resting helps us to deal with what's going on mentally it's the same similar isn't it so improvement and growth we can feed our minds in that and we can rest our our minds in rest but things like life groups time with family and friends a hobby gardening's hard work physical activity but It can be satisfying. Being creative is really good. So evaluate the leisure time that you've got. Jesus didn't waste a moment, did he? But he still rested in the storm. He wasn't intimidated by the storm. Sometimes there's nothing going on. We might be in a wilderness period, a waiting period. And the best thing to do with that is just to keep going. Keep praying. Do what you know to do. Don't give up. The wilderness times are super valuable for growth. It's where your roots go deep. It is really good. It's the best time to press in and learn. And waiting seasons, they're not wasted seasons. I don't know about you, but I look back on that whole lockdown time and sometimes I think, I wish I'd used a bit more of that time, you know, productively. I was hearing of people baking sourdough bread and learning Tagalog. Who speaks Tagalog? It's not very commonly spoken around here, but yeah, somebody I knew. I'm learning Tagalog. Um, Yeah, I did do my garden though, so I did that this year. So that's a bit more productive. Rich Wilkerson Jr. from Voo Church says this. The way you use your leisure time will either lead to freedom or bondage. So give yourself an audit. Check what you do with your free time. Is it beneficial? Is it leading to freedom? Or have you got stuck in this use, useless cycle of just work, 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 productiveness, this, that and the other, let's do something, something. How can you stop that? We need to get off the hamster wheel sometimes, don't we? Just like our thoughts, the leisure time we have can be used positively or negatively. I've now put a limit on my phone. and it switches off all my apps after work for about three hours and sometimes I do override it but it doesn't distract me if I'm doing something else or if I want to have a rest I also set my timer and I do the 30 minute reading challenge as well it's not every day but you know I don't need to beat myself up I still read the word in some form every day but for the 30-minute reading challenge, I'll get that done when I can. And it all does sound a bit worky, doesn't it? We're working on our leisure time. It's a, but actually, it's, it's good for us to, you know, to be intentional about it. And it's reinvigorating, isn't it, to be able to rest and to go, you know what, I am factoring that into my day. I'm having a rest. Okay, Leisure time should build us up in a positive way. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Charles Spurgeon said rest time is not wasted time it's economy to gather fresh strength. I love that it is wisdom to take occasional furlough in the long run we shall do more by sometimes doing less. So let's pray. Lord, give us wisdom with our time and how we use it. Help us to honour you in all we do. And help us to be good stewards of the time for leisure that you've given us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.